Welcome to Port City Politics. I'm WHQR News Director Ben Schockman. And I'm WECT investigative reporter Michael Pratz. And it's Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve? Eve, Eve, Eve. Eve, Eve cubed? Eve cubed. All right. Anyway, um, usually the holiday seasons are a little bit slower time for news, but that's not always the case. Uh, so on this episode, we're going to talk about George Taylor Jr.'s appearance at the Greater Wilmington Business Journal's Power Breakfast. Mm-hmm. And then a little news from you, Pratt. Yeah, we'll talk a little, just briefly touch on a story I worked on this week. Uh, nothing too groundbreaking, but just good advice uh, ahead of the holidays and ahead of the new year and really solid advice in general about making sure you're not getting ripped off by scammers. A good thing to think about every day of the year. Yeah, exactly. Scammers never sleep. All right, so let's talk about uh, George Taylor. All right, let's go here. And I will go ahead and start this and just say, um, well, first of all, we never like to be the news story. Um, And when I say we, I mean most media outlets in general. Um, But in particular, WECT is involved in a story that you worked on, uh, at least tangentially. Um, and and directly. Um, so I'm going to refrain from too much uh, opining on this end. Uh, I'm not aware of any like legal issues or anything to that matter, but I don't want to weigh in on a story that, uh, you know, my employer is actually the subject of some of the discussion here. So I'll kind of guide this if that's cool with you, and we'll just kind of start off with tell me a little bit about what this story was about and why this happened now. Sure. So for those who haven't followed along at home, uh, George Taylor Jr. Um, is a local entrepreneur. He's had a number of startups. He was involved in Untapped and uh, National Speed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, usually he comes into a company and kind of streamlines it, makes it more efficient, improves it, and then offloads it at some point. Um, but True Colors was really his baby. Mm-hmm. And the idea here, I won't go all the way down the rabbit hole here, but basically this is similar to a company like Homeboy Industries, which is the L.A.-based uh, mm-hmm. nonprofit, uh, note nonprofit, um, that hired former gang members and called itself a gang rehabilitation or a, a gang reentry program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they have a number of products that they, they sell and market. But the idea is, you know, if you've been in the gang life, you probably have a number of felonies. Um, if you want to leave that life, your employment options are incredibly limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and so George Taylor took some of that. Uh, he also incorporated some of the um, Global uh, Cure Violence Global Initiative, another nonprofit, mm-hmm. um, which works with uh, former and active gang members and community members. And um, without going into too much detail, they have a whole system of, of ways to kind of predict and look for gang violence and street violence before it erupts. Um, and then when it does erupt, uh, to to look at retaliation and try to prevent and on both sides of that. Mm-hmm. So George kind of took from both of those, um, but his version, True Colors, is a for-profit was a for-profit brewery that would hire active gang members. So there's two things happening in theory inside the building at True Colors once they finally got their location on Greenfield Street. Mm-hmm. One is they are actively making beer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a light beer. Um, many people were underwhelmed by it, but. They were making beer. They are selling beer that is for profit. This is not a nonprofit charity mission. This is, mm-hmm. a, this is a company. And George was uh, employing a number of people. Uh, I believe the base salary was thirty-seven, thirty-eight thousand dollars a year. Benefits. That's way better than most people are going to do it, like Food Lion, right? Or you know, especially if you've done prison time and you've got felonies. 
um, this this is a kind of opportunity you might not normally get. Alongside that for-profit brewery, where he's competing on for-profit terms with other breweries, right. is a social mission, which looks like the Cure Violence Global mission, um, except that it is leaning much more on active gang members. Mm-hmm. So this was the idea. Uh, it was announced actually five years ago, um, pretty much on the stage at the Power Breakfast at the Greater Wilmington uh, Business Journal, That's, you know, which is, which is why when True Colors went under this year in September, for a number of reasons that we'll, we'll touch on, um, Rob Kaiser, who's the publisher of the Business Journal, thought it would be a fitting bookend to have Taylor again appear on the stage and uh, give his version of, of what happened. Uh, Taylor had written kind of an open letter, which was published in the Business Journal in September when True Colors shuttered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was a chance for him to go into a little bit more detail. It was about a 20-minute 20, talk. So that was, I believe, on the 12th or 13th this month. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you didn't attend the Business Journal Power Breakfast, um, I believe you had to get tickets, and there's you know yeah. limited space. Um, although there were hundreds of people there, yeah, uh, it's on YouTube. You yeah. can go to the, Wilmington, the Greater Wilmington Business Journal's YouTube page and watch. Um, it wasn't just uh, George Taylor, uh, Rhonda Bellamy from the Arts Council was there. Megan Dennison, I believe her name is, from Cape Fear Collective, gave a good speech. Uh, uh, Hannah Gage and Spence Broadhurst from mm-hmm. the New Hanover uh, Community Endowment were there. So lots of interesting talks, um, but George's was uh, of a different type. Yeah, and so what what we saw here was a I don't want to use the word excuse a, an explanation in his own words as to what went wrong, um, and you know ultimately where a lot of the blame lies for the failures. Um, for the for the failures and what happened with True Color and tell us a little bit about where uh, George Taylor and just to be clear everybody is entitled to their opinion and I don't fault them for that. Um, obviously, not everybody is going to agree with media coverage and the news. I mean, not everybody's going to agree with our podcast. We know that. Uh, fortunately, we haven't gotten too much hate mail, so that's uh, that's good. That's good. Um, but look, we're open to it. If you disagree with us, let us know. We, yeah. We're not going to just, you know, ignore you or be combative. We, we do listen to, you know, positive, to, to criticism. Yeah, absolutely. I so, almost said positive, but I, I mean, like, if you are, don't sugarcoat it. Just tell us what you think is yeah, wrong. Yeah, I we'll promise you, you of, of all the uh, reporters in Wilmington, Ben and I can take the uh, the criticism the hardest, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so tell us what, what happened here at the Power Breakfast and who, uh, ultimately where Taylor lies at least part of the blame for the uh, the demise of True Colors. Yeah, I mean, Taylor laid out what I, I think I called a parade of misfortune, and this would have sunk lesser companies and less, to, I mean, just to be credit where credit's due, less resourceful businessmen. I mm-hmm. mean, um, there was the pandemic, which just knocked, you know, hundreds and thousands of businesses out of existence. Yeah. Um, there was a number of staffing delays, trouble with the brewing. He had a backup brewery in New Orleans, New Orleans which was um, uh, destroyed by Hurricane Ida. Right. Uh, the pandemic caused a knock-on supply chain shortage for uh, aluminum cans, which mm-hmm. are important if you're selling beer, uh, because everyone was drinking at home, yes. and a lot. Yes. Uh, the numbers don't lie. People might be like, oh, I'm not drinking that much. But the uh, I believe it's Ball is the company that makes these aluminum cans. They were like out of aluminum. Yeah. yeah. So someone was drinking a ton of beer. <laughs> I don't know who it was. But no one, yeah, no one was going to bars for draft beer. And um, so, you know, just problem after problem after problem. Um, and then in the summer of 2021, there was a, uh, a brutal double murder 
at George Taylor III's house. This is George Taylor Jr.'s son. Mm-hmm. He was the COO. He's a top exec at True Colors. Um, a man named Corey Tyson was living in his house. Corey is a uh, longtime True Colors member mm-hmm. um, and a high-ranking gang member um, who apparently came to prominence after doing state prison time. Uh, he effectively received the mantle of a number of local gang sets mm-hmm. and uh, revolving around the gangster disciple gang group. So Corey was well-connected. Yes. And uh, I've heard a lot of people dispute this, but what law enforcement is saying is that the three people they arrested um, were all affiliated with the blood gang or sets of that, and that this was a gang-related killing. I'm not going to go into the criminal investigation of all that. Right. But a high-profile murder at a top executive's house linked to gangs, at least by law enforcement, mm-hmm. is bad press. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I will weigh in on some of the facts here. We have seen, um, you and I have talked about this a lot over the past five years. Um, number one, the, the most difficult thing, and you talk about it, is proving a negative. George Taylor was, uh, you know, has spoke in the past, over the past five years, that he believes his uh, his system is working, that gang violence or gun violence in particular has decreased in Wilmington. You look at police department numbers, um, which, to be fair, can be very skewed depending on how you put in the, the data and the change from the uh, the NIBR system. Um, I can't remember what the other one was, but uh, federal crime reporting changes made it a little bit, it it skewed the numbers a little. So where the data actually falls on violent crime um, might not be as clear cut as sometimes it's presented, uh, especially to like city council and things like that. But needless to say, gun violence, uh, George Taylor says, along with the chief of police and the district attorney, they say it is down, which is great news. Um, But how do you prove that your company is you know, a part of this that, you know, working with these active gang members is actually doing anything to solve that. You can't prove a negative, which is why, you know, part of this business model, the the social aspect of it was so difficult to, um, for a lot of people to wrap their heads around because it's like, you're saying you're doing these things, but does it actually work? And is that related to, you know, increased policing efforts or social or all of these things linked together? So that's difficult in and of itself. Then you have the pandemic, all these issues. Um, but we also saw throughout the years um, many, uh, not many, uh, multiple members of True Colors, employees of True Colors, or those at least affiliated in some sort of role. Maybe they were looking for work. Um, I don't want to say definitively that they were linked to True Colors uh, through employment. But we did see some other, you know, gun violence and, um, you know, attacks on True Color employees, which if you're an active gang member, um, it's an unfortunate reality of gang life. Um, There is going to be gun violence when you have, uh, you know, being in a gang is not criminal. Having a gang is not criminal. It's when you participate in criminal activities that things do become, you know, criminal, obviously. Um, But we did see, I believe it was on maybe Red Cross Street, there was a shooting a few years back. Um, And then obviously the most high profile, uh, the double homicide and one other person seriously injured. 
that we spoke about just a minute ago that you talked about. Um, so all of these things did get some uh, skepticism where there was probably already some skepticism. Uh, we know you and I both spoke with the district attorney before. Um, we, I believe we talked with Wilmington Police Department back in like 19 um, about this and whether or not they think it's an effective model. And most everybody in law enforcement that we spoke to or uh, the criminal justice realm, they applauded the efforts and they say anytime somebody wants to limit gang violence, and I think you and I agree, I think most people agree, any sort of effort, it's more than you and I are doing right now to go out and start a business and you know, actively work with these gang members, credit where it's due. But the, the biggest criticism was not getting these gang members out of the gang life. There was a very specific reason that Taylor said that was for, which was to have that street credit and go back and, you know, kind of tell tell the, uh, the lower ranking members of the gang, like, hey, we're not going to retaliate. We're not going to do this, that, the other. Um, but yeah. it did create skeptics. It did create skeptics. And one thing I do want to say there is that there's a fundamental divide between George Taylor and law enforcement in two ways. One is that, you know, during the power breakfast and he gave a specific number, 43% reduction in mm-hmm. street crime. He pulled that number from a February um, report from the Wilmington Police Department. That was It's posted on the, the city's website. You can find mm-hmm. it. Uh, that shows a 43% reduction in the number of violent crime calls that police responded to in Wilmington Housing Authority neighborhoods, mm-hmm. which does kind of overlap with where um, uh, Taylor's team was working. But certainly there is gang crime outside of Housing Authority. Sure. But let's just say that that number is completely accurate uh, and impressive. Mm-hmm. The difference is that Taylor was claiming that this was the result of true colors. By and large, the lion's share of that decrease in violence was was because his company existed and was doing what it was doing. Whereas um, Wilmington Police Chief Donnie Williams, uh, in a statement, said, "Look, this is everyone. Right? Mm-hmm. This is law enforcement. This is churches. This is community groups." He, you know, didn't name any specific group. I, I believe because there's probably so many in his mm-hmm. opinion. So there's a, a difference of opinion about how much of the solution a company like True Colors could even be. Mm-hmm. And then there's a fundamental difference in how Taylor looks at gangs versus how law enforcement looks at gangs. And that is Taylor has repeatedly defended gangs. as, mm-hmm. and, and again, for the record, it is not illegal to be in a gang. Right. However, a lot of the things you end up doing in gangs are illegal. Right. Gun violence is illegal. Drug trafficking is illegal. Human trafficking is illegal. Um, solicitation of prostitution is illegal. Uh, murder is illegal. Yeah. And so, you know, you talk to someone like Judge Jay Corbining, who's a pretty liberal uh, progressive guy, mm-hmm. um, totally, you know, he's totally understanding where a young person, you know, particularly a young black or Hispanic person with limited economic options and perhaps a disrupted family system because of years of racist incarceration practices, Mm -hmm. might turn to a gang for support, for camaraderie, for family, for sustenance, for basic economic survival. Yeah. But, you know, what Corbining told me most poignantly was, I totally understand gangs. I understand why you would join a gang. My understanding stops when they put a gun in the hand of a Mm 12-year-old and send that 12-year-old to either kill or be killed were injured, and that's where the the understanding and sympathy for gang stops for, right. for law enforcement, right? Right. And so Taylor never really wanted to. In my this is my opinion, but in my several conversations with him, including a long interview we did in November last year, mm-hmm. um, he never really wanted to own up to that part of it. He wanted he he did want to seem cool. I mean, and and understanding and not square and not part of the establishment. He would repeatedly say, you know, like. 
the the old ways. We can't arrest our way out of this, but like law enforcement doesn't get it. We need new innovative solutions. He was trying to bring that tech disruptor, Silicon Valley, move fast and break things attitude mm-hmm. to the problem of gangs. And that was captivating and seductive for some people. But the problem is gangs do bad things. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's um, that's where you and well, I'll, I'll speak for myself. That's where I've always, um, you know, questioned the uh, the efficacy of something like this where you're not actively trying to get people out of the gangs because at the end of the day and I'm talking criminal gangs in general that do commit crimes um, we can be talking uh, you know motorcycle gangs we can be talking uh, you know uh, Hispanic gangs in LA we can be talking Bloods Crips whatever it may be a big portion of a lot of these gangs um, and I would say most of the notorious gangs are notorious for a reason for their criminal enterprises. Um, it, it drugs, as you mentioned, drug trafficking, human trafficking, all of these things, because they are illicit, you are going to need to protect your products, whether that be human. And I hate to refer to humans as products, but a lot of these, you know, when you're human trafficking, you do see that as a commodity, whether it's drug trafficking. Again, you don't have the ability to call the police. Like if, you know, if you had a grocery store that gets robbed, you can call the police and say, hey, someone just took all the biscuits. Um, you can't do that when you're, you know, dealing drugs. Yeah. So you are forced to, if you want to protect your product and your market, um, you do have to re- resort to violence and simply going in and saying, hey, you know, a couple of our guys are, are – in this True Colors program, let's not resort to violence anymore. Not everybody is going to buy into that, and I don't think everybody in the in the gangs that these people were members of will buy into it either. Yeah, there's there's a flip side to this too, in that um, you know law enforcement has a long history of dealing with the capitalistic side of mm-hmm. gangs, um, and I will say there's a real racist um, you know component to this in the way. Uh, the American media and America's general focus on black and Hispanic. And yes. Given the choice between hanging out with a bunch of Crips or GDs or the pagans, mm-hmm. I will hang out with the GDs any day. The pagans are terrifying, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, with gangs, there, there's part of it that is strictly motivated by economics mm-hmm. um, and it can be brutal and it's not really the kind of thing you can, you know, sweet talk someone out of. Right. But a lot of the violence we also saw um, was motivated by petty social media beefs. And that's where places like uh, Cure Violence Global mm-hmm. thought that they could get in and really diffuse that. And they've had some success. Again, very difficult to measure um, and test the negative because how do you how do you take credit for something that didn't happen? But that's you know Taylor was trying to focus on on that part of it. Mm-hmm. He was very um, you know he, there was a black box around how that part of it worked, mm-hmm. and so it's very difficult to evaluate what he's doing. Yeah. So all of us to say. There was some earned skepticism about his business model uh, on the social side. Mm -hmm. There was some earned skepticism about his business model on the beer manufacturing side, simply because five years into it, he hadn't produced a drop of beer. Mm -hmm. And there was, at the same time, there was a lot of support for it. People applauded the social mission, and people put a lot of money into this company. Um, Molson Coors ended up, uh, for an undisclosed amount, bought a, a minority share of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, PNC Bank gave them $9 million, three and a half of that, I think, was a line of credit. But mm-hmm. that's a serious investment. As, uh, as essentially a DEI initiative. Right. Um, and, 
you know, and then there's a, this, this leads us to our story. Yeah. Um, a group called Venture South, which is an angel investment group, um, also invested, I believe it was a half million dollars mm-hmm. in True Colors. And this is where this story started going. Um, because at the, at the Greater Wilmington uh, Business Journal Power Breakfast, Taylor, the style of the Power Breakfast is a TED Talk. Mm-hmm. So there's no moderator and there's no questions. Right. And this is because usually it's people with innovative tech business ideas. Sure. Um, or, or in the case of Megan from Cape Fear Collective, she was talking about, you know, what her company is doing to, you know, deal with the affordable housing crisis. Mm-hmm. Now, as reporters, especially reporters for the Business Journal, it's fish in the barrel. These are great stories that are just presented to you. Yeah, absolutely. But you're probably going to go and fact check it. But it's unlikely that, like, Rhonda Bellamy is from the Arts Council is going to get up there and slander anyone or tell demonstrable lies about the rail trail in downtown Wilmington. Right, right. It's, it's unlikely. So that. You know, it's not my preferable way to do journalism, mm-hmm. but certainly the the type of people who have done the TED Talk style mm-hmm. uh, presentations at the Power Breakfast are not the kind of people who need rigorous fact checking. Yeah, George Taylor is. I, I can say that unequivocally because we just spent the I just spent the last week fact checking him. Mm-hmm. So he laid out all of all of the maladies and all of the misfortune that his company. Um, that befell his company and how he maneuvered around each one. I mean, he just had plan B, plan C, plan D. It's very impressive. I was going to say, and kudos to that, because that is an intuitive and entrepreneurial um, way of looking at things. It it is impressive, whether you agree with the business model or not. um, The way he managed to keep this afloat in the face of so much adversity. Yeah, I refer to him as ever resourceful at one point, and that is not sarcastic. Just, mm-hmm. I just want to be very, very clear. That's not ironic. It's not sarcastic. He has my respect. I'm not a business reporter, and I, I don't live in that world as mm-hmm. a as an outside spectator. I'm very impressed. Yeah. But where he ultimately lays the blame is that there were a series of financial deals towards the end of the company's lifespan that he directly blames WECT mm-hmm. for ruining. And I want to ask you to speak on that part of it. Um, and he, he got into some specifics. Now, there's lots of coverage. Um, some of it was just factual crime reporting. Uh, in fact, most of it was factual crime reporting. Mm-hmm. And there were two stories in particular that he took issue with. One, um, and he, he did not do a great job of giving the audience context about what he was talking about. He just said there was a story, um, it was false, and that he called WECT and asked them to take it down, and that he was told, well, everyone's entitled to an opinion. And he didn't really elaborate. Mm-hmm. Well, the story he was talking about was the family of the murdered young woman, Brianna was her name, who blamed George Taylor for her death, saying, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, we'll have links to the article for the, you should just hear from the family directly. Sure. But I'm, so to, to paraphrase them is that by bringing rival gang members together, by bringing active gang members together, um, you're statistically increasing the chance of violence and that this was that violence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Taylor may disagree with that, but it is not false. I mean, it's their opinion. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to say it's true or false. Um, but certainly, I, if I were the news director at WECT, I would believe the family was entitled to their opinion, as George is entitled to his. Right. But I, I could see why he would be upset about that reporting, but I disagree that it is false. The other story was a, it was a piece by Ann McAdams, who was you know in, in the style of a crime reporter following the, the murder case. Mm-hmm. And there was a detail um, that, that became a headline, was that George Taylor III, so George's son, his cell phone was seized. There was a, um, and the story that we're not totally clear about was it appears that he may have let law enforcement look at his phone and then took it back. We're not clear about that. But the fact that it was seized, we have confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was in these. So just because there was a search warrant 
written for his phone doesn't mean it was seized. Mm -hmm. But we have independently confirmed by looking at superior court, criminal court documents that make multiple references to George Taylor III's phone and stuff they found on it. Uh, and we confirmed with the New Hanover County Sheriff's Office that the phone was seized. I heard it directly from uh, Lieutenant Jerry Brewer, who was there, as mm -hmm. was I, mm -hmm. the morning of the shooting. So I can say with an extremely high degree of confidence that GT3's, as they call them, George Taylor III's phone was seized by law enforcement. Um, or a large number of law enforcement officials have committed fraud upon the court by lying in search warrant applications. It's possible, very unlikely. Mm -hmm. So when George Taylor stands on stage and says that WCT published this false material, knowing it was false, that's a serious charge. And so I did speak with uh, Brad Myers, your boss, um, mm -hmm. and I, you know, all the aforementioned, I spoke with Ann McAdams, uh, I went to court, I pulled documents, I talked to the sheriff's office, just to, if there was any way in which I could find that George Taylor was, you know, had some legitimate grievance here, mm -hmm. that would have been a tough conversation with ECT because they're yeah. a media partner, but we would have had that conversation, but I couldn't find any evidence. You know, this was reporting pulled right from the search warrant, um, words taken directly out of the mouth of Sheriff Ed McMahon. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to see any any cracks in that reporting. So for, for Taylor to get up there and say that in front of a crowd of 500 people um, and accuse WCT of effectively lying and slandering him, mm -hmm. he said bordering on slander, but his, his point was clear, while also saying, oh, I'm not blaming them, and then but then explicitly laying out how his financing deal would have worked had it not been for this reporting, which mm -hmm. he is claiming is false, is a hell of a charge to make in public. So there were two things here. There was the importance of fact-checking George Taylor because the format of the Power Breakfast does not allow for that. Right. And there was the question about the about the Greater Wilmington Business Journal giving him the stage in the first place. Because in the middle of his speech, George called on a room full of powerful, well-connected business and community leaders mm -hmm. to, quote, be skeptical of the media and stop supporting, and he's doesn't explicitly name ECT in this particular quote, but it's clear he's talking about them. Uh, people who have traded journalistic integrity and the community's welfare for clicks and money, I think is what he said. It's a rough paraphrase, but we have the audio clip in the story. You can hear him say sure. it himself, so don't take my word for it. Yeah. Um, with, with no pushback. With that was, that was, to be frank, that was stunning to me. And I've talked to many people who were at the Power Breakfast, and they were stunned. Um, I, I received a couple phone calls um, from people who, um, you know, in the past have been either uh, indifferent or supportive of George Taylor that called me and they were like, that was concerning. Yeah. So, look, we then had a, a pretty a pretty tense and candid conversation with Rob Kaiser um, about giving him that platform. Mm -hmm. And to Rob's credit, he said, look, we do not. We're not going to preemptively censor people. We don't ask them to run their scripts by us. Mm -hmm. We let them say their piece. And it, they also, even though they, they charge for entry, they make all of those those talks public. Right. So they are they are serving a, you know, a public good. They are, George Taylor is on the record. Here's what he said. Here's, here's the video of him saying it. If you don't like it, you can do what I did, which is mm -hmm. fact check him and do a story on it. So that's their attitude on that. I, you know, I have... I feel queasy about it, but I understand. The other issue was that there is a business relationship, um, in my personal opinion, between the Business Journal and True Colors. Mm -hmm. And it's not direct, um, but 
so Rob Kaiser is a uh, he's the regional market director for Venture South, which is the company that invested a half million in True Colors. Mm-hmm. And the Greater Wilmington Business Journal itself is actually a partner with Venture South. Right. They organize events. Um, and Kaiser, we, we went back and forth and we talked about this a long time, and he gets a ton of credit in my book for be willing to be for being willing to talk through all of this. Mm-hmm. But the way the way it works is that they you know, they use their connections and influence to get people in the room to talk about promising businesses. They send that information to the headquarters of Venture South, which then authorizes investments. Mm-hmm. So Rob Kaiser did not personally make any investments in True Colors. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't actually p- the one who got that particular group together. I think George Taylor probably had enough connections and pull to arrange that. Mm-hmm. My concern was that there was, in spite of that, there was no disclosure in articles about True Colors about the Greater Wilmington Business Journal's relationship with Venture South, mm-hmm. um, because when when the Business Journal reports on Venture South, there is disclosure notice. Mm-hmm. So Rob felt differently than I did on this, and we included it in the article because I think it's important context. But at the same time, I want to say uh, I also had a chance to talk with a uh, Vicky Janowski, um, who is their editor, and I've known a number of reporters there, uh, CC and Scott Nunn, Johanna Still. Um, who do excellent work, mm-hmm. and I am in no way implying that Rob lorded over them and made them do positive coverage of True Colors. In fact, as, as Vicky pointed out, you know, they asked tough questions about the failure to deliver beer on time, about mm-hmm. you know apparent cracks in the financing. They did not go after the criminal side of things, and I think that's fair because that's not really their beat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Business journals doing crime reporting would be weird, even though uh, my old boss, Christina Haley, mm-hmm. uh, once worked there, and she said, pretty good crime reporter in, yeah. her, in her own yeah. right. Uh, she's the director of WDI now. So, But yeah, I, look, this is not to impugn their reporting. It's just business journals in general have probably a cozier relationship with the business community than investigative reporters like you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, keep, my, uh, I keep my sources close, but also at an arm's length, I make sure, and you do the same thing, um, because we're not always adversarial to, you know, regardless of what you see on TV, what you hear on here, what you hear on WHQR, um, we are nice enough people um, that we do get along with some people in the community. We're willing to uh, put our differences aside, sit down, have a coffee, have a beer, um, and and chat with them. Uh, but it's definitely not to the extent. And again, it's not our role. Uh, we're not business reporters, so we don't we don't live in that world where. Uh, a lot of these things are made, uh, you know, at the, I call it the rubber chicken circuit, which is these conferences and events where you, you know, pay $80, $90 for a plate of rubber chicken. Um, but that's important in the business community. We don't live in that world, so we don't have those sorts of relationships. But it definitely brings up the questions as to when you're journalistically, ethically required to, A, disclose um, those relationships and partnerships and um you know, if I were to to see a county commissioner that, you know, that I've worked with uh, out for dinner or something like that, that's not necessarily worthy of a disclosure. Um, if I'm related to him or if I have, you know, my money invested with, let's say, one of the, let's say the mayor was a uh, investment banker and I gave him $40,000 I don't have uh, to invest in, you know, whatever he might think is best, that would be, in my mind, a uh, a major ethical dilemma that should, at a bare minimum, be disclosed. Yeah, I, I all I'll say about this because I've, I've said plenty is 
the way it seems to me that many business journals work is that they're often involved with chambers of Congress mm -hmm. and, and local businesses, and that gives them access and insight to write credible, useful, thoughtful reporting on the business community. And when that when that narrow focus shifts to something that's more of a cultural issue, mm -hmm. whether that's reporting on the media or on crime or on local government, I, I think in general that can be a vice and not a virtue. Yeah, absolutely. One final thing I do want to say, which was interesting when you had mentioned, because I hadn't thought about this before, um, the TED Talk format. Um, again, normally we don't have to go through fa uh, fact check, but the fact is that publishers, and in this case, that would be the Wilmington Business Journal, uh, can be held liable for the things that your people say if you're broadcasting it. Um, so if there is, and I'm not accusing anybody of slander, which is you know verbally uh, spoken at these things, but it does seem like that might be a problem for the future to you know possibly consider like, hey, let's make sure you don't run afoul of anything. Um, and again, I'm not accusing anybody of doing this, um, but it could happen if you give someone the pulpit that just hates somebody and goes up and rallies against uh, the mayor, for example, for 40 minutes. Uh, the publisher itself could be held liable. So there should be, you know, possibly a system of checks and balances there. Yeah. Exactly. But, all right. So we've got a, we only got a couple of minutes. There's a couple of things you wanted to say. So let's get to that. Yeah. So first, uh, I did work on a, uh, a longer form. We call it a TSR, Targeted Special Report. It's a, uh, it's a longer form package this week. It's a little more lighthearted than most of mine typically are. Um, but check it out on WECT. It's basically about protecting your wallet give to charities. You know, WHQR relies on charities. Um, there's plenty of organizations in the community and across the country that rely on your kindness and generosity. Um, however, be on the lookout for scammers. That's all I'll say on this. Don't pay people in gift cards. Don't be pressured into donating right this second. If you get an unsolicited phone call, email, text message, do your research. I have plenty of resources in this story that you can actually check the legitimacy of some charity. So, Check that out. I encourage you, um, especially if you're bored sitting around with family this weekend and need something to read, uh, go read it, please. Give me the views. Um, number two, uh, a little bit of personal news here, um, and it's a pretty terribly kept secret at this point, so I just want to go ahead and get it out there. Um, I will be leaving my role at WECT as an investigative reporter. My wife got an amazing opportunity in Charlotte, so we are taking the leap. We're moving to Charlotte. Right now, I will still be in Wilmington for the next eh, couple months, maybe March. Um, but then I will be making the change up there. Don't know where I'll land yet, if it's at all possible. Uh, I know Ben and I had talked about this. Uh, I'd like to con continue some iteration of this, even if I am a freelancer and it's only for uh, WHQR and, you know, if WECT wants to run it, great. Uh, would love to continue these just because I think it's been a great asset and resource, um, but it might expand statewide. So we'll have to figure out the logistics. Hopefully this is not, you know, hopefully March isn't the final episode of Port City Politics. Yeah, you know what they say, evolve or die. Yes, exactly. And with those charming holiday-tinged words, uh, we wish you Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Yule, Merry Solstice, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you're doing. Hopefully with family and friends or just a good book. Whatever it is, maybe get a day off. Maybe not. And don't get scammed. 
Don't get scammed. Please don't get scammed. Don't give your money away to the wrong people. Yes. All right. We'll see you next week. All right. See you then.